Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we are going to be covering kind of a part two of uh, why is there so much evil in the world. There's plenty to go around, isn't there? It is getting off the chart. And what I wanted to do in this podcast is I wanted to give you guys uh, an answer of how we can respond to the evil. Because it's one thing to understand there's a problem. But what we really need is we need a solution to go with That's it. That's right. Anybody can point out a problem. Basically. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because I used to tell people all the time that uh, at church, they would come up to me and they would always bring a problem. And I'm going, okay, you got the problem, but if you don't have a solution, don't bring me the problem. I, I don't want to hear it, right? <laughs> but you're the preacher. It's your job. Right, right. But you know what it did is it stopped a lot of problems from coming to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because when, it, the, when you say... I would have people go, hey, pastor, I think we need to do this ministry. And I'd say, fantastic. Here's what I want you to do. Outline it. Lay it all out. Tell me the cost, what it looks like, how you're going to make it happen, and then we'll talk about it. And yeah. they go, oh, I don't want to do it. Well, then don't bring it to me. I'll throw gasoline all over your sparks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm all about feeding. I'm all about feeding. Hey, uh, welcome to According to John. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget. And again, if you have not been on his podcast, you need to make that happen. Just simply go to pastorduke.com or go to any podcasting platform and you will find and just put in Pastor Duke. He'll pop right up. He's number one. Dude, you're blowing it up, man. I had a good I had a good trainer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep putting some great information out there. Yeah, f- 45 years of knocking my head against the bricks, you learn a few things, you know. Yeah, and Jesus is finally going, "Okay, he won't quit, so I'm going to start really blessing him." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey guys, listen. Uh today we're going to do uh does God's children really make a difference or can God's children really make a difference? And so brother, if you'll open us in prayer, we will get started. Let's pray. Father, make this next uh, half hour or so a blessing to those who here anoint uh, John and myself as we share the hope, the, the joy, the thrill of being a part of the work of God, that you would show up and live inside of us and step through us to this world and make a difference. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. And I, I learned too not to wear that blue shirt anymore because I don't know when you're going to show up in it. You <laughs> didn't get the memo, man. When we start dressing it like it's pretty scary. That's scary. Got right? the white beard's gone. Oh my goodness, man. I, uh, yeah. And it's not going to, it just, it used to be pepper and it is quickly. The, pep, the black's gone away, Johnny. It's quickly going to Santa Claus there. <laughs> At any rate. Hey, so what I want to do just to bring everybody up to speed is why is there so much evil in the world? So I want to, I just kind of want to recap that, you know, the the truth is uh, what is evil? Evil is that which is morally wrong or sinful. Anything that goes against God is evil. And so when people go, I'm not evil. Mm. Yes, you are. Uh, but that's, that's there, there, there. For all have sinned come short of the glory of God. There is not one you shy. Be evil. Yeah, there is not one shy of being evil, man. We're all in it, right? Uh, and then, of course, it can be defined as the absence of good, just to kind of clarify that. Um, evil exists because of rebellion against God. And, and again, this is never going to change. This is information. If you go on, this will be part two. So if you go to part one, um, you will see that, uh, evil exists and is, it is abounding. Mm-hmm. And so much more as the time of Christ appearing draws near, uh, evil is going to tighten its grip. Yeah. And it is. And, and we're seeing it and we're seeing the attack on anything 
on anything that doesn't go with the narrative today yeah. is an absolute attack is getting attacked. Yeah. Silence them, shame them, uh, frame them. Uh, uh, think about, think cancel about cancel them there. Yeah. A little slow coming here. Cancel <laughs> them and ultimately kill them. Yeah. I've, if you've read, uh, Karl Marx's book, the, uh, I have that. You know where I have it? This I, I almost hate to say this, but I have Karl Marx's book, uh, and it is sitting on the back of my toilet. Uh-oh. I read it in high school, and then I hollowed it out and carried a bag of dope in it. Right. <laughs> Seriously, I did. I stole it from the library, read it, and then hollowed it out. And then from there, I read Rules of Radicals, uh, uh, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, uh, who is very close to the Clintons, very close to Obama. And we're watching that narrative unfold. And so this cancel culture that is now upon us is, is not the last step. Right. The last step is actually of killing the adversary. That's what happens in a communist takeover. And so, you know, I read those books as a young man, and now we're living in those days. And, uh, but King Jesus is coming. He told us what to expect, and uh, we're going to win this thing. So I am to the point now where... You know, I, there's there's a stage in your life where you think, uh, not yet, Jesus, not yet, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you reach the yeah, stage I, where you... I, I passed that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm to the stage where it's like, Lord, uh, yeah, you can come before I finish this sentence. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, don't come until I get married. Lord, don't come until I have a kid. Lord, don't, don't come until our church reaches 100 in attendance. Lord, don't come until I get my w wife's house. And it's like, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, I, yeah, there. I am to the point where, Lord, you can come on any minute now, and I'm okay with it. Uh, but what we do is we see evil through history, literally from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and it just goes on and on and on from there, obviously right up until they uh, killed Jesus. And, and even what I really found interesting about that is, and this shows you how deep evil is in the heart. Jesus is innocent. He's before Pilate. And he says, I find no, I, 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 I find no guilt in this man. And they say, kill him anyway. Release unto us Barabbas, the one who is a killer. Yeah, give us the real criminal, <clears throat> kill Jesus. And then Pilate says, well, he washes his hands and says, my hands are innocent of his blood. Well, that was wishful thinking, but either way, my hands are innocent of his blood. And they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. They're going to crowd it for in eternity from hell. That, that, that saying, you know, they were yeah. so blind. It is, uh, and that's the amazing thing to me is they were so steeped in evil that they went, look, uh, we'll pay the price and our children will pay the price, but we want what we want and we want it now. We don't care at what cost. Mm -hmm. And that's where society is today. It's like, give us the sin that we want yeah. now and we don't care what cost it is in the future. And little do they realize, and I use the term sheeple, and I know sometimes people find that offensive, but, but that's, the, that's a real term to describe what we have today. Jesus said, all ye like sheep have turned away. You've turned everyone to his own way. Yep. And he was talking about people, so we'll, we'll go with sheeple. Yeah, I think sheeple, <laughs> sheeple will work. I'm with it. I, I can do that. So as we go through that, what we find is we find evil, evil, evil from the beginning of time all the way to today. Uh, and evil is uh, incredibly destructive. 
but God literally provides a rescue. And the rescue is the one that they destroyed when Pilate said, I wash my hands of this. And it was Jesus. That's our only rescue, man. That is, Jesus is our only hope. He came to rescue us from our depravity, and yet it was depravity itself that, that, that turned on him and, and crucified him. But it was all part of the plan. Victories, the victory is ours in Christ. But, man, uh, times are getting tight. Oh, they're drawing up really tight. And I'm watching the news. I'm seeing what's going on. I, I read an article the other day where this girl, uh, she is mulatto. Her dad is uh, black. Mom's white. So the little girl, she had beautiful golden locks, but they were... You know, you could tell uh, the color or, or the, the texture of her hair was, you could tell was mixed. And the school took it upon themselves, on the, upon themselves and cut her hair because they said that it was, her hair was offensive. And they cut her hair and sent her home. And it was past her shoulders, beautiful golden lock hair. I mean, just it was beautiful hair. And they sent her home and dad flipped out. Yeah, amen. And they said the whole reason they did it is because her hair was offensive. Well, I just heard the incident in Canada. A fellow had a little girl with sex or gender crisis, and she's only like seven years old. And she brought these questions up at school. She said, I think I'm a, a little boy. And uh, so the, the school got involved and uh, commanded the father to acknowledge his little girl to be a little boy and he refused to do so and they arrested him and put him in jail mm-hmm. and uh it's unbelievable well, and they were, ordered her to get the uh medical, start the process yeah start the process medically the process medically it's like and this dad, is out of a horror movie and i think if that's the same one i'm thinking of dad's got to pay five thousand dollars a month to cover all medical costs to change his uh girl into a boy yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, and mom and mom left him. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, that or it's another one. But but th- listen, guys, that's that's just evil. You know, we we've talked about in the past, uh, Psalm one thirty nine, where God says, "I, I you you are made. I fearfully, wonderfully made." Uh, and and He goes through this whole thing of how He made us, and we're gonna violate His decision. Just the world gone mad. You 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 put out the scriptures. You have no absolute truth. And it seems like you wind up with absolute insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we end up with is uh, man has a sinful nature. This is evidence of it all the way through. Uh, Paul talks about in Romans how uh, people willingly reject the truth of God. We're seeing that today. I saw um, on, I was on Marketplace and a lady made a post. Anybody that wants a free Bible, we're going to give away free Bibles. Oh my goodness, you would have thought she was offering to give crack to everyone's children. They mm-hmm. flipped out. And it's just free. It, it's not like it's and not like to do with the cost. It has to do with the content. <laughs> and they were like, uh, you shouldn't uh, you know, you shouldn't shove that down our throat, blah, blah, blah. She's offering a product for free on a place that offers product. But people flipped out, right? And why? Well, Paul said people do not want to retain the knowledge of God. And so, you know, we we have this massive battle, and we know that it's going to persist until uh, Christ returns. We find that in Job. We find it in Thessalonians, uh, throughout Scripture. And now what do we do with it? Here's where we come to the question. 
can God's children make a difference? And what does that look like? <clears throat> and I'll tell you, we even even Christians now, or or I'm going to do this, Christians. Not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father. So I'm beginning to understand that verse more and more with each passing day. Mm-hmm. I, I reached out uh, a friend of mine on Facebook. He made a statement that I disagreed with. And I reached out very polite. I was not attacking. I wasn't inciting. It was just, it was simple question. And man, it was a full on attack. And then immediately I was private messaged. And I was like, dude, we just disagree, man. We can't have this conversation. And he's like, don't you try me, John. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't. And, and I said, take a breath, man. Nobody's attacking you. I just thought we could have an intelligent conversation. Well, it ended up that we couldn't. And then on, the, on when I went back, uh, his post popped up again on my page. And when I saw it, all of my responses were deleted. And none of them were offensive. But what I found is, if you don't agree with me, cut you off. I'll cut you off. And I'm going, man, I thought, you know, I thought we were brothers in Christ, uh, which should make a difference. It, it should. Mm-hmm. So how do we as Christians, and can we as Christians make a difference? Well, I want to tell you, first thing we have to do is understand who God's children are. That is the first definition we have to look at because, you know, Oprah Winfrey says that she's a Christian and she's not. She is Satan's child. And you go, oh, you can't. You know, I can. And I'm going to tell you how I can because she denies Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Well, dude, the definition of a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ and believing he is your Lord and Savior. I've heard her on her show on numerous occasions going back a number of years ago where the thought of the exclusivity of Jesus totally freaked her out. And I saw her attack people in her audience. In her audience, yes. Yeah, uh, over yeah. saying that yeah. Jesus is the only way. Right. And how about how about Barack Obama? Barack Obama says that he is a Christian and yet tore down every fiber uh, of American, it would be, you know, uh, tradition, you know, prayer day, national prayer day, right? He never got up and said a word. As a matter of fact, he supported Ramadan, but will not support National Day of Prayer. He also made the statement that uh, America was once a Christian nation. It is no longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He I, made I the statement, the Bible, you can't trust the Bible. Mm-hmm. He's I, a Christian because it's politically expedient to say that occasionally. But in Jesus said, you, you profess to know me, but in works, you yeah. deny me. And so we're, we're in that age. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere, especially in politics. Right. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's a Christian until it comes down to uh, being. Until they actually got to live it. Yeah. And, yeah. Then I'll, and then it's gone. Well, uh, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, John 1, 12. Because if, if we don't define who the Christian is, you're not going to know if you can make a difference. And I'm just going to tell you, and this isn't where it's popular, but then again, Duke, we've never <laughs> been known to. God doesn't measure things the way man does. You're absolutely right. Uh, and I, it just, I, it's funny because people, I, I had someone reach out to me and they said, uh, John, you want your podcast to grow? And I go, of course I want my podcast to grow. That's why I put all the work and effort and time into it. And uh, they said, well, you need to ease up. <laughs> Like ease up on what? The truth? Just cherry pick the scriptures you talk about, John. 
throw out there's there's a lot of uh, unpopular verses so throw them out and you gain the the uh well Paul said in Galatians 1 he said if I please men I would not be a servant of Christ so right those who do by the authority of scripture are strengthened by seeing someone else who stands without apology. Yeah. And, and here's the reality. Duke, if no one else stands, I pray every day I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when it all comes down to it, God's going to hold us accountable as individuals, yeah. not as groups. Not every crowd is a congregation, Johnny. Exactly. So, uh, John one twelve. but as many as received him, him being Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I've talked about this in the past. I'm going to share with you again. How do we know that we are a child of God? There's some great litmus tests, but here's one that is infallible. And <laughs> <laughs> it's because Jesus says it. Jesus says... In John chapter 8, one, uh, 8 47, 48. And he says, uh, if you hear my word and believe it, then God is your father. But you're not God's because you don't believe my word. Th- that's the first perfect litmus test. So, so what does that look like? Okay, well, I'll tell you what it looks like. How about this? And, and I tell him, I say, hey, you... You're a Christian? Yeah. You believe the Bible's the word of God? Yeah. So you believe Jonah was swallowed by a fish, went down in the depths of the sea for three days, the fish came back up, threw him up onto the shore, Jonah repented and went and talked to Nineveh? Come on now, John, you're, you're pushing it. Ah, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. At the core, what pleases God is not what we do. What he's going to do through us on the outside has a lot to do with what we believe. If we really believe, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Righteousness. In that that center core of of our our, our being, when we hear the word of God and we believe, you know, it looks maybe a little bit different on the outside, but when we believe, he knocks on the door of our heart, we open it. When we believe, we call on him. When we believe, he comes in. When we believe, the evidence of him is in in our lives. When we have him inside of us. We have an appetite for his word. We have a conviction that's about the, that's sin. That's another thing, the appetite for his word. Yeah, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. There's a spiritual birth. There's a spiritual life. There's a spiritual passion. There's a burden for souls. I'm not going to hell immediately. I wanted all my friends to get saved. I wanted all my family to get saved. And then people say, oh, I have Jesus in my heart, but they don't feel any of these things. I, I there's no conviction. There's no... By their fruits, you will know them, not by their profession, but by their fruits, Jesus right. said, you'll know them. Right. I, I, you can't even deny it. People, people think that, oh, Jesus saved me just the way I am, and he wants me to stay the way I am because that's the way he made me. No, he didn't make you corrupt. He wants to fix you. Yeah. And so we don't... He, clean, and, he cleans his fish when he catches them. Amen? Amen. Right? So then we are to be... Uh, um, we live in this world as ambassadors and lights of the world. We find in Second uh, Corinthians five twenty through twenty one. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so here, Paul says, "Listen, we are ambassadors for." 
Christ. That means we publicly announce who Jesus Christ is. It's not ambassadors in Christ. It's ambassadors for Christ. We are promoting Jesus Christ. When something happens on the inside, it comes out. God expects something to come out on the outside. Absolutely. And that's that's the thrill of being a Christian. Yep. You know, he, one preacher said he saves us for free, and then he pays us to serve him. I think that's a good deal. I'm in. I'm in. And, you know, it isn't something and like... he pays well. Yeah, yeah. Eternal life ain't too shabby. I'm in. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I just think of uh, uh, that he would take take us out of the, this world and how we lived and, and what we thought in our darkness, and he would redeem us. He took me out of the drug culture, and so people who are still caught in the drug culture draw strength from me. Nobody had to tell me, go out and do the work of an evangelist. I didn't know what an evangelist was. I just knew that I'm forgiven, and I love, I love my yeah. friends. I want them to be forgiven too. Yeah. I have the joy of the Lord. I want them to have the joy of the Lord. Uh, he's given me strength to get out of stuff that was destroying my life. I want them to get out of the stuff that's destroying their lives. It wasn't like some kind of commandment, you got to do this. It, it's just, it's love inside that just, it just does it without even knowing what the commandment was. Yeah. You have this passion and all of a sudden a desire for his word, a passion for him, and you can't sit back and watch somebody go to hell. You can't. No. Uh, okay, I can't. Uh, I'll just put it toward me. Well, we find in Matthew five thirteen through 16. So in 1 Corinthians, we're to be ambassadors. In Matthew, it says we're to be lights. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So... You're saying that we need to go tell people about about God, about right and wrong, yeah. and, but that won't be popular, John. Somebody might you might hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, well, that seems to be the road I've trekked for years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some people have to be experts, John. Amen. <laughs> I'm an apprentice. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, you are, uh, you dude. I'm proud of you, man. You stepped way up sometimes. It's so funny. Uh, but then he goes on in 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine so they can see that you are different. You know what you're doing, Johnny? You're piling Scripture upon Scripture upon Scripture, and most of it's just coming right out of the mouth of Jesus. Yeah, but, this right here is Jesus. You know, I think we get tired sometimes. Everybody like, how can I be as far away from God as possible and still be a Christian? It's like, you know, I, I heard a story years ago. I never forgot it. This uh, mule team was taking people on mountain climbing rides to the top of a mountain in Mexico. And some places the, the path where the mules walked was pretty narrow. And uh, some places it was very wide. And so a, cust um, a customer came up to one of the groups of guys that was leading the caravan. And he said, well, how close to the edge uh, of the mountain, do you take your, your mules? And the one guide said, well, we get right up pretty close to the edge, you know? And, uh, another guy says, oh, we're, we're better than him. We get right, right out on the edge. And he didn't hire either one of them. And then he went to the third guy and said, we don't get close to the edge at all. We, we hug the inside of the mountain. He said, sold. <laughs> I want to be on the inside of this Jesus thing. I want to be so close to him right. that when he whispers me, tell him about Jesus, I'll just do it. Yeah. I don't want to play in any mind games. I want to share the gospel with people. I tell people all the time, man, I want to walk so close to Jesus that when he whispers, I hear him. Mm -hmm. Or you can even hear 
his heartbeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I just that's where I want to be, man. Listen, I've lived I've lived both sides of this fence. I've lived in the world and 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 created the corruption. And me too. I have then in '94 I gave my life to Jesus, and it was a transition. But I, man, the older I get, the more I value it. The older I get, the more I, and you know, when we're, when we're young, we're, yeah, we're pretty stupid. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Right. But the older I get, the man, the more I value what uh, God says Mm -hmm. and and I'm in. So then now we need to, once we acknowledge who we are and, and this is how we know who we are, we're ambassadors and we're lights. If you don't believe the Bible and you don't believe the word of God is the whole word of God, I'm going to venture to say you're not saved. That's just that's just kind of out there, uh, a pretty good indication. Then we get to share the good news about uh, Jesus with the world. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I loved how he established this right up front. He goes, Listen, before I tell you what I want you to do, I have the authority to tell you. Some versions call it power. And it, it means the same thing, power and authority. Authority, right? Yeah, we're not out there on our own. We're not. And then in 19, he says, go therefore. What do you mean go therefore? What's therefore, therefore? Therefore is verse the verse I just read, because I have the power or the authority in all the earth. I want you to go in my name. They just witnessed him rise from the dead. How can you not share that? Right. I don't think you would even need to be commanded to do that. You can't keep that in. And the one who rose from the dead tells us who believe in him, we're going to rise also. Most that, Christian, most Christians, they'll run and tell you where a good deal is, but they won't run and tell you where uh, everlasting life is. Well, what if I offend them? What if they, well, what if, you know, because I'll chase them away. We can't mix uh, uh, religion in our relationship. Uh, what if I, well, if I tell them and then they don't get saved, now they're going to think bad of me. And I'm it's like, why are you so concerned about you, you selfish, selfish? Yeah. You know, the girl that won me to Christ, she offended me a lot of times. But uh, turns out she fruit. was right. She was on the right side of things. And when yeah. I checked the biblical side, every time she was right, every time I was wrong. But see, that's part is that humility. When God is beginning to work in your life, there's a sense of humility that, that the Spirit kind of puts upon you, and God gives grace to the humble. Amen. He resists the proud, but I just think I was offended many times. But, hey, an offense in on eternal things might be the best thing that ever happened to you. I would, I would agree a thousand percent. He says here in 19, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that that he finishes it up with, I have all authority to send you, and I will be with you. So he starts out with, I have the authority to send you out, and he ends with, I'm, I'm with you all the way. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, Moses uh, said, if you don't go to Egypt with me, I ain't gone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Barak said to Deborah, uh, if you don't, if you don't go with me, I I'm not gone. going. And uh, boy, we don't have to go anywhere alone. But you know what I loved about uh, what Deborah said to Barack uh, after he said, "If you don't go with me, I'm not going." And then she said, "You'll get the honor. God said God's already there. He's He's waiting on you. If you go, you'll get the honor." And he's like, "Nope, mm-hmm. uh, I'm waiting on you." And so then Deborah. 
comes. I mean, she was humble, dude. She really was. You I could have honor, still be dead. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he wasn't like, you know, nope, I did the right thing. Uh -uh. It's history. <laughs> Debra, you're gonna, you're the, you're the leader. You come first. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, right? But I love the fact that he starts out with all authority is mine, and I'll be with you to the end, which goes back to I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I, you know, this is the beginning of an adventure. You know, I remember as that new believer felt God's calling into my uh, in my life to to preach. I didn't even really know what that meant, but there was a fire burning inside, and I'm scared. I I, I got to go to Bible college. I'm not even sure what they teach in Bible right. college. The Bible, I guess, is so new to me, and yet a, an adventure began to unroll. We go to Bible school, and for me, I had to find a woman. You know, right. <laughs> I'm an ugly guy. I wanted to marry a beautiful woman. I needed Jesus. Say amen, John. You won too. <laughs> and an adventure well, as a matter of fact, won so much. Happy anniversary. Not yeah. 32, right? 32 years 32 today. 32 years. St. Sherry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have no clue. You what? do have a clue. I do have a clue, John. You do John. have a clue. <clears throat> That's so funny. Yeah. We got a lot of junk on each other. We'll oh. never be able to run for public office, will we? <laughs> <laughs> we better run as a team if we do. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, so look, now we get down to, uh, so first we're ambassadors and lights, and then we are to share the good news and then, and we're to love one another. But guys, listen, this isn't, this isn't the love movement that's going on. There, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in loving one another in what scripture says versus what the people are doing in the churches are doing today. And I, and I'm going to, I am saddened and heartbroken over the heresy that some of these churches are, are, are preaching. And I'm also saddened that instead of these pastors saying, Hey, listen, um, we're one race, I, red, yellow, black, or white human race. Yeah. We are the, the human race, interchangeable blood and interchangeable we, genetics. And, and we have the same great, 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 great grandparents. Yeah, we do. We all came from Adam and Eve. We are all family. So what? We look different and we act different and so on and so forth. Dude, we're all family. And these pastors that are, that are telling their congregation to apologize because they're white, they had no control over that. And, and that's just as wrong if you were to tell someone to apologize for being black. Yeah. Man minus God gets really, really stupid, doesn't he? We get... Ignorant. And the gospel fix all, it fixes all this. It, it's it, about the feet of Jesus. There's no racism. That's right. I want to bring in the clarification of loving one another. And, and when it says to love one another, uh, well, let's just look at it. John 13, 34 through 35. And, and it's real difficult to love someone that you've been taught to hate. And you have no clue why you hate them. You've just been taught to do it. And mm -hmm. boy, if people would just check themselves, that would all go away. It's so frustrating. Anyway, uh, John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the first passage that we see here is this is to Christians. This isn't love the whole world. This passage is not. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm clarifying it, not saying that we're not to love the world, but I'm clarifying the passage says, a new commandment I give to you, you love one another 
as I loved you. Well, what did it look like for Jesus to love us? That's how we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know that this passage is specific to our brothers and sisters in Christ because of 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, who's that? The disciples. That's you and me and anyone who claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then we go to Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we are to do good to everyone, but man, when it comes to the family, we're to be exceptionally good. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, churches are, are rising up and hating on each other and they're dividing. And how can you do good as God's children in an evil world if you have just become as corrupt as the world? You know, to bring this right into the face of our topic, uh, can we make a difference? We want to make a difference in some kind of a big way in, in the in lights and the media is there given what our event, our, our issue uh, to the world, like we're somebody special, but that's not really how God works. He raises, he brings people to his house. He knocks on the door, their door of their heart. People put their faith and trust in him. They begin having emptying out of self and a fullness of him. When that happens, what's it look like? We love one another. What's it look like? We forgive one another. What's it look like? Well, racism goes away. It's gone. And uh, we're family. And the world is watching that. And when they are seeing that, when they're seeing uh, somebody they knew that was practicing homosexual lifestyle come into the church of Jesus and buy into the biblical uh, sexual morality, get married to opposite sex, have children together, and live happily ever after. The world is watching that. And God makes that happen in his house, in his family. And that's where the real power comes from, where we make a huge difference. I I was the least likely in my family to not go to prison. Uh, And yet Christ came into my heart, and the world, my family watched me. And they grew to have hope because they were seeing how God changed my life and their lives were spiraling out of control. And they wanted what I had. Mm-hmm. They didn't want it at first. Don't bring religion into yeah. our house. You know, <laughs> stay away. Keep out of our bedroom, right. Duke. But as, as life hit them hard and they came up empty, they saw the change in right. my life and said that that's what we want. And wow. one by one, they all came to Jesus. Yeah. It, it's so funny when I first got saved, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, people were like, okay, we love, we love Johnny. So, you know, he's coming over. We just, have to tolerate. We, him. <laughs> <laughs> he's and, probably going to bring some religion into right? every conversation. And then it didn't take long before they're going, well, this dude's different. Like this is yeah. real now. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, I, re- I even remember Sherry's dad saying I was uh, when I had my own uh, business, we lived in North Carolina. I was fixing his his truck. He was self-employed. I was self-employed and I did the work on his uh, on his trucks. And he said, as I'm working on it, he goes, I know there's got to be a God. And I said, there is. And I said, but why do you say that? And he goes, there had to be a God to change you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we go on. But the the change is noticeable and uh, so we're to love others and we're to love our brethren and today we're seeing churches the churches are ineffective because number one they've abandoned the gospel number two they they're on this love 
kick. And I don't mean that in a negative. We're to love one another, but that's what it's all about. I don't care what you're doing. I love you. I love, love you. Love, you. real love doesn't throw out truth. Truth and love are always this one, the same coin, just different sides of the same coin. Well, and here's the thing about the doctrine of love is it's great as long as you're still loving me, but the minute you tell me truth, I feel unloved and the relationship is over. Yeah, that's what my grandkids feel when we hold them accountable for not doing dangerous things <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in our living room. <laughs> so the, the, the whole idea is, is that we are to love one another and we are to love those of faith exceptionally well. And then we go to 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, Beloved, who's he talking to? The Christians. Believers. Yeah, believers. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And if everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, he, he, he breaks he goes it, again. He breaks it down. He goes, not only are not only born of God, but you know, God, he who doesn't verse eight, who does not love does not know God for God is love in this. The love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Who's he talking to? Believers. Mm -hmm. And he's simply saying, because here's the reality, church. If we don't get it right, we can't show the world the right way to go. If we hate one another, the world's just going to feed off of that. And then we're going to be just like the world. And so what we need to do is first off, we need to stop believing mainstream media. Amen. We need to stop that. And, and because they're dividing the church and now the government is trying to impose itself in on the church. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing leaders that cave from the word of God. And now they're following the rules and regulations of the world. Well, the world doesn't know how the church operates because they hate the church. And now the world, now the church is acting like the world. And then when someone comes in and, and, and literally they're living out the word of God, now they're hated by the church. I, I had a friend, uh, he called me the other day. He got booted out of a church. He won't fall in line with all the COVID rules. And they're like, oh, well then, you know, and they, they kicked him out of the church. His, him and his family out of the, dude, why, why would you do that? And, and severed all relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm so saddened by the division in our country, and then it, it, it intensifies when it comes home to the church. I, I, I've had uh, 100 pastors call me this past year, uh, 15 months. I'm no longer an elder. I'm, I'm on the road. I'm not at my local church too often, maybe six or eight times a year. And uh, I just tell people, pray for your leaders and follow their leadership. And, and just love God and just wait this thing out. I mean, every time I go into a, a, a restaurant, yeah, I feel like a hypocrite because I don't really believe that a mask is helping me. I've had COVID. I can't get it. I can't give it. It's, it's, but I'm making a statement to people uh, that I'm defiant. And some people think I'm, I'm, I might kill them because I don't have on a mask. And it's just insane. And that's all the work of Satan. It is. And, and, and I'm watching the mask divide the multitudes. If we finish on in verse 12 of 1 John 4, verse 12, it says, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Guys, I just want to remind you, you know, the topic today is does God's children make a difference or can God's children make a difference? God's children will never make a difference if we don't start loving one another first to set the example. And start acting like God's children. 
we we that's um, t- that's where it starts, man. This this whole division is insanity, and then the, the church is rising against the church, and it's just showing the world the hate that they believe we already had anyway. I, a verse that comes to me often during this this divisive uh, time, uh, Bible says, "Submitting yourselves unto others, one to another, one to another, esteeming others better than yourself." And I realize as I see people on with their COVID thoughts, their COVID positions, their ideas on the vax or no vax, and, and I see them and I realize they're just a product of what they've heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a product of what I've heard and what I believe. I've done a lot of research on it and I have very strong opinions, but opinions are fine. God gave each of us one. I, I'm going to put that person ahead of me and I'm just going to respect them. I go into these uh, restaurant and the, the, the people in the restaurant could care less. Right if I have on a mask or not, but I don't want them to get shut down. And I know we throw on the mask to be to, to walk six yeah. feet and have a seat. Yeah. Because, and, uh, because COVID, I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. COVID is respectful. As soon as you sit down and take off the mask, yeah, and then, it's like, yeah. Oh, they're out of play. We can't touch them. <laughs> Johnny, I want to jump in here. Cause uh, you gave me this assignment and I, you talk about, can we make a difference? I got somebody that made a difference. Okay. Yeah. So shut up and let me have All the right, microphone here for two minutes. You're going to love it. Okay. It's yours. It's yours, baby. Here we go. Can, <laughs> can, can someone make a difference? Uh, your spiritual enemy, number one, Satan will say, no, you're a loser. You're nobody, you know, and they'll point out all your, all your weaknesses and you can't be that you're so insecure, yada, yada, yada. Well, he's a big fat liar. <laughs> Our heavenly father, <laughs> you got me fired up, Johnny. It's all your fault. Your heavenly father screams, yes, you can make a difference. It is the fact that he, uh, he made you the way we are. We hit that earlier. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139. He put us in the nation that we're in. We could be anywhere else, but he put us here. He put us in the families that we're in. He put us in our place. Well, I found a, a gal in the Old Testament, uh, a gal. It's a girl. Yeah. Okay, She's young. She's probably 18, 17, 18 years old. Her nation, the Jews, have been defeated. Uh, her holy city, Jerusalem, ha- has been destroyed. Her parents are dead, probably killed in, in one of the battles. She is a, an orphan. She's being raised by her cousin, Mordecai. The king has a, a party, gets all his buddies drunk, and then he calls in his beautiful wife, Vashti, to come in and do a lewd dance, like a lap dance, <laughs> right. you know, for, for his drunken buddies. And she won't do it. God bless Vashti, okay? And he freaks out. And his friends say, you know, the whole, all the women are going to freak out. And so he banishes her from being the queen. He's got to go out and find another queen. And this orphan girl turns out to be the next queen. Her name is Queen Esther. Esther. Then news comes that wicked Haman, the prime minister, whom the king loves, his favorite uh, official in his cabinet, chief of staff, Haman, prime minister, signs a decree for all the Jews to die, not knowing that Esther is a Jew. And here she is. The Bible says, for such a, a time, time as this. As this. And did she make a difference? And her uncle Mordecai, or her cousin Mordecai says, you got to go in before the king and let it, let it be known what's going on. And she said, if I go in uninvited, I'll die. But she stepped up. She got the, gra- the gravity of the situation hit her. She got the big picture. She had a love for God. She had a reverential trust in God. Uh, that, she and trusted. She, and she said, I'm going in, and if I, if I die, if I die i die if i perish i perish and she went in and all heaven broke loose yep that one young gal probably 17 18 years old saved the nation and i don't know that god's going to save any nation through me but uh he did save my mom 
right? He did save my dad, my sister, and my two brothers. He he did save uh, some people in Half Moon, Clifton Park, New York through the years, a lot of people. And so uh, we don't have to worry about what great exploits we're going to do for God. We just have to be surrendered to God and we're just, leave the results with him. Yeah, we're called to be surrendered and to do what he would have us to do. So, so the answer is, uh, yeah, he can do great things for people. <laughs> did you get that all out I, of your system? I feel better now, John. <laughs> Had to wrestle the microphone away from you, but... I gave you your own. Okay. I got my own podcast. You, no, I gave you your I'll own go, microphone. Yes, you did. Uh, okay. You just had to call me down. He's called us to make a difference. Amen, bro. Amen. Well, and you know, and that's the thing. You you said this. You know, we might not save a nation, but how about this one? I've been here fifteen years. This this uh, this August will be fifteen. We've seen well over five hundred people get saved. I remember you driving in town, gave up your job. You, you'd never been to New York before, didn't know a soul. <laughs> know. Two beautiful little girls. <laughs> if it hadn't been for those girls, I might not have loved you so much, Johnny. You probably wouldn't have, right? <laughs> and then when you dumped them in the canoe, you I felt guilty, so you had to make up for it for years. <laughs> uh, I took them on a canoe ride out in our 900-foot-long church pond, and we sort of capsized. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody uh, drowned. I don't know how you made a left-hand turn. And your girls so still short. tell that story today, don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First thing they think of is Pastor Duke almost uh, drowned us. Right? That's hilarious. But, I mean, when you think about it, um, this isn't about, you know, people ask me all the time, uh, what, why did you go to New York? And I said, well, because I love Jesus more than I hate the cold. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Jesus more than I hate the salt. And I hate the salt. I'm just going to tell you, right? I love Jesus more than I hate the politics. Yeah, and that's, I love that's Jesus true. more than I hate the taxes, and that's why that's why I'm here is because I love Jesus, and this is where He called us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have eternity to be comfortable, man. It's almost, and this is an amazing thing. Almost every week, uh, we are seeing people get saved. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus came into our heart. That's why I gave the commission, and it's not by not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit. And I love the direction you took us in in this. Uh, Bible study, this answer to this question, can we make a difference? Screaming yes. Yes. But but we have to understand our role. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand, number one, we're ambassadors and lights. Number two, that we have to share the good news. God, Jesus told us to go. Number three, if we don't, listen, if we don't love the one, one another and set the precedence, how's the world going to be, how is the world literally going to want to be a part of what we have when we're no different than them? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have to understand the Holy Spirit resides in us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They're, watching, they're watching us, aren't they? They are watching us. And if they see, if they don't listen to the sermon we preach, they are watching the sermon that we live. Yeah. And if we're living the, the gospel, they're seeing power. Words and actions line up, man. It draws people. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it that said, uh, I can't remember, was it Edwards? Said, catch yourself on fire and people will come and watch you burn. 
Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. How do you draw such a crowd? You have no academic credentials. You have no sponsorship from any legitimate church. <laughs> Nobody thinks, everybody thinks you're uh, uh, some kind of a wild man. He goes, I just set my soul aflame with the word of God and people come and watch me burn. Amen. And after that, you catch some passion, man. People will, will they'll tune in. Verse 14, who is in, uh, who talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Mm-hmm. What a sweet promise and guarantee. That's better than any guarantee you're going to find from any store around. You know, that as we launch into our mission, whether it's to invite the neighbors to church or to invite a friend to a Bible study or to share your faith or go to church or, or begin to tithe of your increase to support the local church, to send missionaries to the ends of the earth, we, we have no clue what God's going to do with that. But he knows what he's going to he do knows. with it. And our part isn't to accomplish anything. Our, our job is just to be a part of what he's doing. And right. then down the road, in the most amazing ways, I, I just put up that missionary story on my podcast. It just blows my mind. A, a single woman goes into an Indian village against all odds, and the village comes to faith in Christ. And then you see how God moves and moves and moves, and the entire village comes to Christ because of one woman who loved Jesus more than herself. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. Uh, but can one person make a difference? Yeah, yeah. You make yeah. a difference to your family. You make dad. You make a difference to your kids. Uh, so I was talking to someone last night, and they were they were struggling, and they were feeling defeated because they were guilty, right? Uh, from their because they kind of relived their sin uh, from the past. And and I said, listen, you you got to die daily. And I, and I go, let me let me tell you something. If I don't die daily, it wouldn't take much. I'd be back in the swamp. Yeah, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd literally be the swamp rat, right? And Jesus and, keeps us needing Him at all times. And and then that person looked at me and said, "You, you struggle as well." And I go, "Yeah, who doesn't?" Yeah, you know. It's but but then I pointed out the fact that if I fall, the church goes down. Yeah, Satan always targets uh, the person uh, in the lead. And if I fall, what are my daughters going to think of me? Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, reasons to stay pure. Amen. There, there are so many because I think then all of a sudden I would be the hypocrite, and all all of the years of investing into people's lives, they throw it away because of one poor decision I made. And the person said, that's a lot of pressure. I go, not if you got a release valve, you don't let it build up. Mm-hmm. You know, you hang in there with Jesus, you do what's right. And, and you have die self, daily. self-discipline. You die daily. Yeah. You're renewed an inner man daily. Uh, you hold, you have people holding you accountable to have your sermon ready, accountable to, you know, in your prayer and your personal life. And uh, then God just made us dependent upon him. But th- see, that that's that humility. And when we have that humility, when we have that dependence, he's there. Right. And he's there in power. And then he supernaturally brings people across our path. Uh, a girl comes to your church uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, or just this past Sunday. Sunday, yeah. And she's her life is out of control, and she's kind of almost drugged to church by her grandmother. And she kind of comes and... <laughs> 
She doesn't really want to be there. And then she hears the word of God with, with passion and with power and the spirit of God. As she listened to the word being preached here in your church, she gained hope. And she surrendered. And, and when, she, when she had that hope, she felt the Lord knocking on the door of her heart. She threw it open and she said, I will be back Every Sunday. There we go. <laughs> I love oh, like, you got yes. me pumped, John. Yes. We make uh, a difference, dude. We do. And and here's why. The second <sighs> half, you, the Holy Spirit resides in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So when Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and then he leaves, but then he sends his Holy Spirit. So he never left us, and he doesn't forsake us, and the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. Power, authority, divine direction. It shall be given you. You're like, what am I going to say? It shall be given you. I've had so many times that I'm speaking, and I'm hearing the words come out of my mouth that I don't even know where they came from, and yet I know they're not mine. They're his. They're his. And I had that happen at the city mission. I was preaching Tuesday night and I had a sermon all ready to go and I opened it up and I started speaking in another direction and I had no clue where I was going, but I knew he knew and heaven came down. We just talked about the real Jesus. So I was, I was preaching a Sunday while I was getting ready to go up and preach. They were uh, worshiping and, and uh, I was supposed to be in first Peter and God told me to go to Psalm 139. I hadn't even read it. It had been months since I read Psalm 139. And I'm standing there. I'm, I'm about to tell the worship team, that was a wonderful song. Sing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Stalling for time in a sanctimonious way. Yeah. yeah so in I'm my, a professional pastor. I know how that works. <laughs> exactly. And so in my heart, in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I, I haven't even read that. I haven't read. I mean, I've read it, but I haven't read it today. I don't, Lord, I, I, I don't lean on your own understanding, John. Trust me. And he said, just get up there. Yep. And I got up there, and I preached on Psalm 139. And I'm telling you, man, heaven came down. And it was because, and I, I stood there, and I said, okay, Lord. I'm, because I was about to tell him to sing again. He goes, no, you're not. Right? And I said, okay, Lord, I, you better jump in here, because if not, it's going to be a train wreck. <laughs> These are those God moments, and I, I know the other night I've done this. And all, all my f- almost 50 years of preaching, I've only done that maybe six or eight times. Yeah, just a handful of times. Just a few times. I'm always ready to go. But oh, if he wants man. to redirect me, yeah, I'm ready. I, Dude, I, I was literally starting to sweat. <laughs> Because I'm like, because well, you're taking me out of my comfort zone. Well, because you know, I like, I have all my scriptures ready. Yeah. I'm ready to go. You're and then, overly organized, John. And then, it makes me nervous. <laughs> all this preparation, plan A, plan B, contingency plan. You sound like my wife. Because I want to feed the people, baby. All See, right, here we go. But you are aggressive. You do have adventure. You will fly by the seat of your pants. So I will jump I, out there without a parachute. I know. I know. That's I good that and bad. You, John. Uh, so, so the Holy Spirit resides in us, and then that means this, guys, that nothing will separate us from God, nothing. And that we find in Romans eight twenty eight through 39, and I'm going to read all of it because you really have to hear this. Uh, we're given all this, you know, that we're to be ambassadors, we're to be in lights, uh, 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 lights. we are to uh, share the good news, we're to love one another, we and we can only do that because we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us, right? And then God says, listen, I've given you that until the day of redemption. And so what does that look like? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 
28 through 39 says this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And we pick up in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is probably one of my most favorite passages in the scripture, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Screaming amen. Oh, my goodness. So when, when you guys get nervous, or anytime we get nervous, understand this. Number one, that we're called to be ambassadors. Doesn't mean you're not going to get nervous. You're still called. We're called to share the gospel. We are to love one another. That prepares our heart because then we know we are right with God. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Guys, we are without excuse when it comes to sharing the gospel and making a difference in the world. You're not alone. Number one, you have your church. Number two, you're empowered by the love of, of your family of God. And number three, most importantly, if you know Christ is your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And then we have the promises of God. We have the guarantee of God. And then we get into Romans 12, and Romans 12 gives advice for how we are to be living sacrificially and pleasing God. And I... You know, some people are like, oh, you ask too much. You ask too much. But not according to this verse. 12, one, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And then I love this, which is your reasonable service. How could you do any less? Yeah. This us, is reasonable. He gave his life for us. We give our lives for him. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't rocket science. Yeah. And man, listen, if you're, if you're freaked out and afraid to serve God, you really need to check your relationship and make sure that you are right with God. As regards uh, of evil, we're told love must be sincere. Uh, uh, we are to hate what is evil. We are cling to what, uh, cling to what is good. Romans 12, nine says, let, 
love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. We're not to repay anyone evil for evil. That is Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And then we're not to become to be overcome by evil, uh, but overcome evil with good. And we find that in Romans 12, 21, which by the way, if you want, if you really want a passage that helps you to understand how you are to live. Romans chapter 12 is a wonderful passage for that. Romans 12, 21 says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then it goes into 13 and we're to be subject and so on and so forth. But Duke, the problem I think that we have as a society, number one in the church is we have messed up on the love movement. Love will get her done. We've, we've messed up. If we're not full of love, we'll probably be full of something else. Well, and, and where do we start loving? We don't, we don't start loving the world. We start loving our family of God to be raised up, encouraged. Iron sharpens iron, and we're to be prepared. The problem I'm seeing with churches today is they're hating the brethren and loving the world. And according to Scripture, if we're going to make a difference in the world, it's got to be reversed. The world has got the church convinced that anyone that doesn't love the world and accept their sin the way it is, then they're not going to win them and they don't love Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, that's the exact opposite of what the scriptures tell us. Mm -hmm. You better solidify your church first. Open the book. We got to get back to what the word of God says. And the reason that people aren't living the word of God, my opinion from what I'm seeing the majority of the reasons people aren't living the word of God is because churches aren't teaching the word of God. I think we're going to do a whole podcast on that soon. Next week. Yeah. Which will be the week after this one because it'll go up in, in order. But you're, that, that is our next podcast. It's coming. And it has to be because I'm, I'm watching COVID hit, and this is tragic. COVID hit, and in our area, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I know in our area, Churches are, are closing their doors. Rap, I mean, multitude of churches. Very few have survived around us. And that is shameful on their behalf. And I'm going to tell you why. We're to be like the ant as well as to go out and, and support missions and do all those things. But we're to be like the ant and be prepared for seasons that come mm-hmm. so that we don't get shut down. And a lot of these churches, man, they're they're because they're not teaching the word of God or have gotten shut down. There wasn't enough love and joy and happiness in the place, though when people got away, they just said, I don't need to go back they to didn't. that. Right. They're they're gone. Yeah. So guys, let me let me help you out here in closing. I just want you to know that if we're gonna make the difference, we have to make the difference by doing it in the order that God has called us to do it. And that means that we love one another in the church. And if we can't love our family in the church, you're not going to love the world too well. As a matter of fact, you'll succumb to the world and be just like them. So if we're going to make a difference, can we make a difference? Yes. Absolutely. Look at Esther, man. What a beautiful story that was. Esther made the difference. You can make the difference, but you can't do it apart from God's design. Amen.
Hey, guys, I hope that this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, follow. Uh, share it with someone that you know that could use it. And until next week, God bless.